Hello and welcome to this episode of Not Just Ghost Stories. I am your host, Josh, joined by Jackie and Laura, and we are a team of experienced paranormal investigators. Here we discuss different locations that we've investigated, along with a little history and paranormal evidence that we have found. Today we will be discussing history and evidence about Ross Opera House, located in the small town of Cynthiana, Kentucky. Laura, can you tell us a little about the history of Ross? Sure. The Opera House um, is the oldest continuously running theater in the state of Kentucky. It was built in 1871 and named the Aeolian. Aeolian, we're not for sure how to pronounce that. Hall Music Association. The original opera house was built on the second floor of the building. In 1873, Herman A. Ross bought the Aeolian Hall and renamed it Ross Opera House. H.A. Ross had a jewelry store on the ground floor of the original building. And in 1941, Ross and his son Carl added onto the building and put the stage on the ground floor of the building. Aeolian Hall stayed on the second floor. They also added a projection booth so they could screen silent pictures. And when they then started including talk, they did upgrade it to talking pictures. The new opera house, as it was called, was complete with a balcony of plush seats. Behind the balcony to your right, there was a narrow section of a hard work seat area. That was where the people of color had to sit in that time. Aside from their ownership of a movie theater, the Ross family has ties to other aspects of show business. H.A. is the great-grandfather and Carl the grandfather of today's actors Chris O'Donnell. Tony Moore and Robert Kirkland are Cynthiana, Cynthiana natives, and they are the comic creators of The Walking Dead. As a matter of fact, on the exterior side of the opera house facing Walnut Street is a, mur- a mural done by the artist Odith paying tribute to the TV series. It's a picture of Rick Carl, Michonne, and Daryl. Currently, the opera house is owned by Philip Nickerson, James Smith, and Roger Slade. They are the third set of owners. The history of the Ross Opera House is a little different from most haunted buildings. Um, It essentially had all peaceful times. The only thing that we found that would be tragedy that was any way connected to the Ross Opera House was Carl did commit suicide, not on location, but he did, you know, leave his wife and three children behind. But that's really the only tragedy that is in any way associated. Um. People have reported seeing a woman with a long flowing gown, possibly a wedding dress, and an angry man seems to roam the halls, and people have heard children playing. All right. Thank you for that uh, little bit of history. Um, now, going into to Ross Opera House, it's actually, you can tell it's aged well overall. Uh, it was really cool to see the mural on the outside as you're driving up. But it almost has like some gold inlay on the walls, the way that it was built into it. Jackie, what do you remember from Ross Opera House? The smell of popcorn. (laughs) (laughs) You walk into the theater and even though they're not popping popcorn, there's always the smell of popcorn. Well, they had showed a movie earlier that night before we got there too. Yeah. So, yeah, you did have that that popcorn smell going throughout. Uh, I remember the seats were older, but they were still comfortable to sit in. The, The layout was a little bit you know, odd overall as you're kind of walking through things, kind of learn the building because you kind of had some stairs that went up and 
Then you were in this kind of hallway where you had a door off to one side. The other door kind of went, you could get to the projector booth from that hallway. You can get down to the balcony from that hallway. There's another door where it had a banquet room off to that side that, that that's still used. And then off of that, there's another one that actually went up to the original music hall. That one was not fun to get into that music hall at that time. I think they've been cleaning it up, but there was a lot of bats. Yes. <laughs> That's what I remember. <laughs> There's a lot of bats up in that that larger part. Now, as far as evidence that we pulled through this place, it, it was kind of here and there throughout the whole entire thing. I don't, actually, I know for a fact we didn't get any MVPs off of our recorders. Jackie, did you get anything? No, not really. Yeah. What else do we remember about the house? I, I do remember a lot of shadow play, uh, especially on the balconies. And uh, upstairs in the balcony, um, we did not get it uh, that time, but I had been to the opera house and we got, we haven't talked about orbs or anything, and we'll probably save those for another day, but what this was, it looked like a feather, a white energy and it came down at an angle, and we filmed it, and then it stopped, changed directions, went more straight down, then stopped again and changed directions and went like at a 90-degree angle from where it first came from. We were close enough that it wasn't a bug. Yeah. And then um, I can remember sitting in the balcony watching shadow figures on the first floor, uh, and even up in the balcony with us on the other side, it was almost, I don't know if it was residual, I think it was intelligent, but it was almost afraid to come over to us or even do anything because as soon as you would start to walk toward it, it would just kind of dissipate and you know walk away. When you started to walk away and go back to the other side of the balcony, it was there again. Uh, Laura, what do you remember about the balcony areas? Um, the balcony is essentially the only place that I did see shadows was if, say you were standing on the stage looking out, it would have been the top right-hand corner. Um, oddly, for an opera house with a stage, I didn't see any shadows on the stage. Yeah. So that's usually the norm, but I didn't at any time spot any there. Um, it, it really was kind of a, a quiet night as far as evidence went, which is what some ghost hunts are. Yeah, true. We did have a few audibles that we actually heard with our ears but not but we're not picked up on the recorders yeah you didn't i heard some footsteps at times yeah there was footsteps i can remember hearing a a chair squeak like somebody was getting up out of it actually a few different times um but none of it was picked up on recorder uh which gets into another question that we'll end up getting into sooner or later about digital recorders but the the place as a whole you know, you walk into it and you're just kind of like, wow, the history alone inside the building and seeing the the woodwork and, and everything else through it was kind of awing, you know, you, you didn't really know how to think. Like, I don't feel like I can touch anything in here, but at the same time, you wanted to touch everything in the building. We did, again, not... Um... Not this go around, like say, Ross is the nice thing about Ross is that it's uh, um, inexpensive. The people that own it work with uh, ghost hunters. They they kind of gave us the key and told us how to lock up and kind of let us go on our own after the tour and everything. Mm-hmm. They did say we could take a bat home with us if we wanted to, but uh, <laughs> I think we, we all said we were good. I think we said we were good at that point. I would. 
We uh, recently looked at some pictures that they've they've most recently posted, and it looks like that that upper balcony that's like the dome where the smaller stage is. Looks like they've done a lot of work up there, and I would really like to go back without bat poop and and bats. <laughs> and it looked like like before the ceiling, it wasn't that the whole roof was coming in, but like pieces of like the plaster or whatever that made the curved part was coming in, and it looks like they've since fixed that. So yeah, and that was the original music hall, the right. part of it all. So, and it was really cool just to see that history and how it, it they set things up in order for things to be there. But one of the reasons why we have Ross Opera House, well, we've got it in our list of episodes right now, is because there there was a portal found there too. Jackie, you want to tell us a little about that one? Yes, that portal ran not so much on the first floor, I didn't feel it, but as you went to the second floor and then it got stronger as you went upstairs, um, I guess we'll call it the attic, um, it was real strong up there. The problem was we couldn't stay up there that long because the amount of bats and the bat urine, it was this, the smell would knock you out and stuff, but... The, the portal was there. It was along one wall. On the second floor, you could also feel it and things, but on the third floor, it was the strongest, and I I don't remember feeling it on the first floor at all. No, not at all. No, we did. We were with another group. Uh, do you want to tell about the other group? Oh, we had uh, uh, several people with us. We had uh, some people from Spook Paranormal, and... Um, I don't believe we had searching the mist with us at that one at that point. No, that was just the uh, spook. Yeah. So yeah. we just had the spook people and stuff, and they were very good ghost hunters. They would, we could all be there, do our thing, and not trip over one another. And then we could all get together, and uh, which we did at the end. We decided to get together and to op- open the portal to kind of continue our research into portals. Yeah. And the portal that was there, it it could be strong, but it was giving off, you know, like it needed more. So we decided to try to open it up more to kind of do that research. Uh, for me, I can remember it it got pretty strong there at one point. Uh, it really affected me. I, I don't remember bits and pieces, um, but we did it in that uh, second floor hallway. Yeah. That's how we know it worked. You, you don't remember it. You yeah. lost time. <laughs> that is true. Um, I don't remember all of it. I remember bits and pieces of it uh, myself, so I'm going to have to kind of let you two guide this because I really don't. I remember starting the the experiment. I can remember what we used. We we did bring in a couple mirrors uh, to, to kind of help that out. One of their, uh, one of Spook's people is a Wiccan. Um, and they they knew kind of how to to manipulate that energy, and that's about as far as I can remember. Yeah, they uh, like say we got the portal to open. Uh, compliments of spook, they did open the portal, and that is the first portal I remember. That every portal, as you look into it, I see what's on the other side, or. Maybe I just go a little bit crazy or whatever, but that portal there was kind of interesting because it opened up into a 
field and it was a very bright sunlight. And I remember thinking there's a lot of goats there and we don't want the goats to come through the portal. I don't know why we didn't want the goats, but maybe it's because you don't want them in the theater with the bats and stuff. But I, I did keep thinking that we got to keep the goats out. The funny thing was I was sitting there thinking that, thinking I don't get this. And when I finally said something, a lady from Spook said, I was wondering why I kept thinking about goats too. So does that mean there were this portal opened up into another dimension and there were goats there? I I can't say yes or no, but for me, that's what I saw in this portal. And I like to think that part of that was the intention that, you know, the, the four of us that were standing in the circle were thinking, you know, was positive. You know, of course we didn't want to go to a terribly scary place. I mean, how four people conduct to get goats, I don't, I don't know, but I guess better goats than monsters. <laughs> I don't remember a whole lot of it. I remember starting it open. I remember the energy pool feeling like wind coming through um, and just kind of working back and forth on each side of my my body. So it was kind of like a, an in and out or something type of there. But um, I do, you know, remember some of that. But there was just points where... I, I can't even tell you what happened. I was just almost blacked out. Um, but I I know that I was standing there or else somebody, you know, probably would have tried to get me out of there. Well, you were actually, um, I believe Laura did kind of back you out. So you were sitting on a bench uh, the furthest point away against the uh, opposite hall wall. Okay. Yeah, the bench that I pointed out to you in that yeah, picture today. Yeah. But I, I will say that also kind of shows us something, too, that in the, in the previous portals that we experienced, we did feel more of a anticipation, like danger moment, you know, whooshing and and Josh lost time. And this time it, it was more like calm, tranquility. But Josh still experienced the same thing, so it doesn't seem to matter if it's a positive or negative energy. He's him as a person still interacts with it the same. Yeah, which makes sense because we're talking about energy <clears throat> again. Ghost hunting, you're going to hear us talk a lot about energy because that's kind of what it comes down to. And when you open a portal, you are manipulating energy, opening a door. It's like when you open a window during a storm, you're going to let the rain in. You're going to let the wind in. And when the portal opens, we let the energy from that place come through. And also I imagine some of the energy from our place bleeds out there. Yeah. And energy, think of EMF fields, has a tendency to affect people. And it affects people differently. If I get into a high EMF field where there's a lot of power lines or or just a very strong electromagnetic field, I get paranoid and I hear voices. Gotcha. Well, I know around stronger magnetic fields, uh, for me, I can I know when it's happening. Um, we have a place that we'll end up talking about a few episodes down the road um, where I just walked by an electrical box um, that happened to be there and uh, – Felt it right away, had to go get some equipment because we were just kind of walking the place to make sure. And as we would walk through there, the K2 meter would just hit really, really hard all the way up to red. 
Um, and then, you know, as you walk through it, it would, it would keep hitting all the way to red and then come back down. So just that, that point right there was something that we had to make note of as investigators, like, Hey, you know, if you start to get weird feelings here, it's more than likely because of this electrical box that was just emitting a really, really high EMF field. Um, but with that being said, uh, during the portal, you know, people had equipment running uh, that we, you know, were opening and we were trying to, to make a little bit stronger. Do you remember anything actually reacting off of that? I believe before we opened the portal, we had a, I believe it was a K2 meter that was would hit um, sometimes and then back off. Now, that was before we had started opening the portal or anything. Yeah. I mean, I can remember walking throughout the whole entire place that there was just a, a lot of really weird K2 hits, um, a lot of different uh, tri-field meters, um, any other type of meters were like, would just kind of jump and then go away and come through. I can remember being in the banquet room, just sitting at a table, having a K2 meter and a few other meters around us, a uh, proximity sensor. And they would just like randomly get hit, uh, but nothing was responding back to us. It just seemed like it was almost like an energy shift here and there as it went through. So when it came down to that, yeah, we had that. When the portal was open, did the K2 meter react anymore? No. Gotcha. Okay, that's what I was trying to figure out. I'm not 100% sure. Like I said, I don't remember everything about that portal. Now, talking about the K2 hits, it was... um. The one time we were at Ross, uh, Tech Jeff and I were in the bathroom and we're standing in the middle of the men's room and the K2 kept going off. I mean, in the middle of the men's room, I'm not near the sink. I'm not near wire or anything like that. K2 would run up, you know, light up fully and then run, run down. I said, is there somebody in here? And I did get an EVP that says, yes, there is. Okay. I mean... Ross, to me, is an interesting place overall. I, I feel like uh, that there's definitely spirits there. And I kind of wonder at the same time if <clears throat> they had literally just showed a movie before we got there on their screen projection. And, and I wonder if that, you know, affects how active they are. Well, I mean, the energy that's left over in there, you know, depending on really the type of a uh, movie that they're showing could, I'd, I'd say, ramp projection, you know, ramp activity. You know, if it's a comedy movie, you're getting those emotions of happiness and funny and everything else and all the way down to a horror movie um, where you could get something that would make you angry like an angry man that's running through there. Now, we didn't find anything really angry. I don't remember finding anything angry in Ross. No. Um, but... Maybe it was after a some type of horror movie that had been running or, you know, some kind of jump scare movie or something like that. Is that you think that's a possibility? Well, you also have to Ross is like, say, the new owners um, welcome in paranormal groups. It, it's uh, very economical to do. It's close to us and they work with paranormal groups. So they get quite a few paranormal people coming in there. Having said that, we have to look at it from the other side. The spirits are used to people coming to find them. So perhaps they were also more active because 
hey, it's another paranormal group. Let's uh, let's go meth- mess with these people. <laughs> you got to think that anytime <laughs> you go into a place that's that's you know where a lot of people have uh, investigated, they finally start figuring out ways to start messing with somebody. Going, I wonder what they'll do with this. <laughs> type yeah, of thing. I mean to to think that they don't have a personality. Of course they do. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, we have a place where we asked a guy his name and he told us George Washington and started laughing. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, they can they can always have some type of sense of humor. Um, but at, at Ross Opera House, uh, I think everything there, um, I would I would consider it a safe hunt from the one time that I went. I haven't I haven't found anything bad there. Yeah, just bats and, you know, they're yeah, not bad. real dangerous. They you got to have a strong stomach to get over the ammonia smell. <laughs> yeah. Well, with bats, you got to make sure you have some quick reflexes because you might have to move. <laughs> but like I said, it, it looked like they'd done some cleaning, so. Yeah. Um, going back to the portal, and like I said, I can't remember everything about it. Would you say that that, what type of portal would that be? Now, that was a kind of a large portal. I, I've noticed portals tend to come in different sizes. Like the one at Whispers was more a, a tubular. Think about, um, well, think about Star Trek when they, they're beaming people. You know, you got that tubular light bolt that comes down and, and takes you places and stuff. That was Whispers. Uh, Twin City was more kind of small, kind of smaller and kind of started like halfway up the wall mm-hmm. instead of ground the floor. but. I would consider Twin Cities more uh, doorway style is is how I would put it yeah. because it was seemed like it was an entry or exit point for things to come through. And Ross to me just seemed like a big old circle that took up uh, floor to ceiling from the wall. And having been up in the attic when the portal was closed, I'm pretty sure that the opening of that portal also took that opening from the second floor all the way up to the third floor. Gotcha. See, and that's the thing about portals. You never know what kind of energy you're going to get out of it. Um, You're always going to get something weird, and they can be from different things. Uh, Mirrors being another one. Um, Mirrors have a tendency to open up uh, between portals accidentally sometimes, wouldn't you say? There is that um, kind of standing theory that two mirrors facing each other, you've created a portal. The thing I have with that is a lot of people have two mirrors facing each other in their house, but they don't get spirits or something coming through. I think there's a lot of intent also. Uh, I have faced two mirrors together to create a portal, to open a portal. And yes, the portal has been open and you've actually had, you could feel a wind coming from, let's see that, the wind went from uh, left to right at that point. Okay. I don't think that every time two mirrors are faced that it creates a portal. Of course not. If so, when you walk down that aisle at the store, you'd be walking through a lot of portals. Yeah. So I believe there has to be intent and some sort of energy put into it to create it. I would agree with that. I mean, I think some come from nature and the way that energy runs through nature. Some come from other things. Um, it's kind of really hard telling. Well, you do. You always have the um, the pagans and the Wiccan and um, 
the druids and stuff, they talk about ley lines. Mm -hmm. You have uh, vortexes, Sedona in Arizona. Um, I've actually been through a vortex there. They have a drive where you can take this little drive and you're going to pass through a vortex. Um, Both my daughter and I felt it, tended to give me a headache and things like that. Whereas Sedona, they, they say their vortexes are more healing and things like that. But this isn't just the paranormal concept. It, it also comes outside of the paranormal realm of uh, different groups of people that believe that there are doorways to, say, other dimensions, other worlds, where whatever you want to call it. All right. Yeah, I think if you take all the cultures in the world and just pick a number of how many there are, I more believe in those things than don't believe. Yeah. So you have some of the, the famous paintings by um, probably Michelangelo and stuff where there's something in heaven reaching down through a doorway to uh, touch something on earth. Exactly. Okay, so we since we had opened this portal... We made sure when we were done that we closed it because we didn't, well, we didn't want the goats to come through. And since we were the responsible party of opening it, we were the responsible party and we closed it. Yeah. Well, you know, I can remember going toward the close and then kind of coming out of it going, what happened? Um, because it was, you know, like what what was going on here? Um, you know, because I know y'all had removed me out of it, but you know, the responsible thing to do is if you ever decide to do an experiment like this, you know, because we were trying to do this to kind of figure out exactly how these things work and how they can open with intent or even without intent. But, you know, we were able to close it overall. Now, from this point going on with the rest of the ghost hunt, what did you guys feel about the building as a whole? I like Ross. Uh, I like the stairs. We should say as you come in, if you go straight, you go into the theater with the uh, with the, the downstairs seating. But if you look to your left, there are stairs that go up to the second floor. The one thing about that theater is there's supposed to be the woman in white is supposed to be seen on those stairs. I had never seen her on the stairs. And actually, if you go up the stairs, get to the landing and turn around, you'll be facing at the bottom a huge mirror. And I've taken pictures of the mirror and I've, taking pictures of the stairs, and I've never seen the woman on the stairs, but you always feel like there's something there uh, on those stairs. At least I always feel like there's something there on those stairs. Yeah, It's one of those where you, um, if you're the last in line, it's a little bit of a quicker step coming down those steps. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if it's just the way they set or, you know, there's some sort of residual there. All right. And then... Um... What would you guys say would be the best pieces of equipment to kind of go in with? The K2 worked really well. Um, one of those things, and it depends upon whether the spirit is there and who's dealing with it, but I've seen the ovulus work exceptionally well, but I've also seen the ovulus work not as well. But, I mean, if you have an ovulus and you go there, I would definitely try it. Uh, the K2 always works well. And, of course, your recorder. And I believe 
I had the dandy there mm -hmm. because of the children, and I think I only got one small hit on the dandy. So again, that is something that if the if the children feel like playing, uh, a dandy is a good thing to have. If not, well, then it it just doesn't go off. Gotcha, Laura. What about you? For me, it was probably when. <clears throat> A spook was working on the stage behind that projection screen they had dropped down, and they were using a rim pod. That was that was about the only piece of equipment that I actually seen anything interact with during that that particular visit. Gotcha. I mean, for me, um, K two, of course, is always a good one. Um, I think there your. You can go with a lot of different things. I think the energy is different probably every single ghost hunt. You kind of go and look at some of the testimonials of what they had, and these people are saying, oh, you know, I got all of these EVP recordings. And well, we haven't, I didn't get any, you know. So always go in with a recorder. Always go in with, you know, a K2 is always a good thing. I think a uh, REM pod would work really well throughout the whole entire building. We were getting, they were getting those hits back there behind the stage. You know, as far as a star piece of equipment, it was kind of more, you know, what am I, I looking for? What am I kind of doing? So it was more the body uh, was probably the best for me. Uh, at the same time, I also don't remember anything about the portal. So the, <laughs> it was kind of different on that end of it. You know, I remember bringing out a bunch of different equipment and some of it would get hit. You know, the proximity sensor would get a hit every once in a while. Uh, which a proximity sensor is a lot like a REM pod. It's just it doesn't have all the flashy lights. It's got one light on it with, with one sound on it that you can turn up and down. It got some hits here and there. Um, it's just kind of a very place where you throw what you have at it and something's going to work is the way I feel about it. All right. And anything else anybody would like to add? Nope. It's just uh, it's a very nice place to ghost hunt. All right. So with that being said, this has been Not Just Ghost Stories, and I've been your host, Josh, along with Laura and Jackie. And until next time, you can find pictures and findings and contact us about today's episode on all social media platforms at Not Just Ghost Stories. Thanks. Thanks.